Good day everyone, you're listening to Time for Your Hobby, and this is episode 22, Every Bottle Needs a Hat. I'm your host Alex, and today I have the honor to have Chaz as my guest on the show. How are you doing today? Yeah, not bad, you? Doing pretty good, it's pretty dark outside, and that's a sign that winter is coming for me, and I guess for you too. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a sign that winter beers are going to be coming to the, uh, the beer store, which means new caps. Oh, that is very exciting. Okay, so... I guess, yeah, before we start talking about your hobby, which you kind of gave it away, but it's okay. We're giving a little teaser. Well, let's, uh, I'm going to ask you, tell us a little bit about yourself, if you don't mind. Uh, so my name is Chaz Leboutier. Uh, I was born out in uh, BC, and then I moved kind of all over the place, and then I finally came here. So I, I, consider, this, uh, I consider this to be my home. Other, so other than, other than bottle cap collecting, <laughs> I spend a lot of time playing Minecraft, and, uh, and uh, I spend a lot of time at work as well. Work, Minecraft, bottle caps, that's all you need, right? Yeah, exactly. So yeah, you mentioned your topic today, which is bottle caps. Now, what, how did you get introduced to collecting bottle caps? See, here's the thing. I actually don't even remember because um, according to what memory I do have and according to my parents, I started collecting when I was about four years old, like before I actually started having uh, memory. So uh yeah so i really actually don't even know how i got started i think though like my hypothesis is that um my dad and all of his army friends left uh they left a bunch of bottle caps around the house whenever they'd whenever you'd have them over for parties but uh i'm not entirely sure i think that's i think that's how it is though so you don't remember necessarily your first bottle cap but do you remember the one let's say that started your collection at this point you're like you know what this is my first memory of a bottle cap that i vividly remember uh i don't remember like any specific ones like you said but like when i started like remembering things like i had like some old carling and molson and labats like like super common canadian caps so like nothing that's like really special by my standards now back then they were super special and how did you um keep them did you keep them in a box back then or how did you store them I kept them in a box for years and years and years. So the ones that started my collection are pretty, uh, they're pretty scratched up right now. <laughs> but they have a lot of good memory and nostalgia. Now, did you ever take a break from it or was it just something that you kept on doing casually? Uh, so for most of my life, I did it uh, casually. So from the, from the time I was uh, about four till roughly 2008, I was like a casual collector in the sense that I didn't like actively seek out caps because realistically, like I wasn't old enough to drink or anything like that. So I didn't really have any way of getting them aside from like on the ground or from whenever my parents would drink. And then in 2008, that's when I said, okay, you know what? Like this is, this has been my passion for like a decade now. I'm actually going to start getting more serious about it. And how big is your collection now? Okay, so I checked before we started the interview. It's uh, different ones. I have 21,587 in my collection. And uh, I just want to make a quick point here that um, there's a I differentiate between in my collection and in my possession. Because right now I have probably like two or 3,000 more caps that are in my possession, but I haven't scanned them. So the way I define in my collection is I've scanned it using my, my computer scanner and I have an image of it on my, um, on my computer and it's in the database that I use to keep track of the number. So I'd say in terms of the actual caps in my possession, it's probably closer to 24 or 25,000. Uh, That's pretty cool. And now when you scan it, do you date it or say what the company is or which company it's from or put more details about it? No, I, I don't. I don't add any kind of metadata to it. I uh, I basically just save it, and I just do. I the file name is 
the country and then the number of, of caps that I have from that country. But other than that, I don't really do much. That, that's a lot of dedication. That's cool. I like that. And do yeah, you- it's, it's taken hours and days. Yeah, just days of nonstop scanning. But it's worth it. Definitely. It is. Now, do you collect any specific type of bottle caps or is it like beers, sodas, water, or is it just anything and everything? It's anything and everything. And actually, there's some caps that probably people wouldn't even uh, imagine would exist. So I'd say probably like 80% of my collection is beers. The rest is like probably like 15% is like soda. And then all the other like the rest of of the percentages like waters, wines and like but I also have some weird caps from like, uh, like I actually have a cap that used to be used for rat poison. I have like, I think I might have one or two vinegar caps. Uh, and I also have um, what's called the uh, like promotional caps. So sometimes the companies that produce the bottle caps, like the ones that take that ma- they actually manufacture them from raw metal. They um, they'll actually, they'll, they'll make caps with their company logo on it and they'll uh, they'll distribute them at like, like conventions and stuff uh, as basically just as a means of advertising. So I'll collect those as well. There's not too many of them. So it's not like it essentially dilutes my collection, but they are out there and I do like to collect them. Now you used to put them in a box when you, when you were younger. Yeah. Now do, do they still belong in a box or do you have them framed on the wall or on, as a floor as in, you know, how some people make pennies, like use pennies as making to make a floor. Do you do that with bottle caps or no? No. Um, the, because like at this point, um, well, when I was a kid, they were more like they weren't really that special. But now that I've taken started to take my collection more seriously, um, I don't want them to be like like a thing to make crafts with or like like a bar table with. Um, so I don't I don't like I don't keep them under resin or anything like that. I um, I keep them. Uh, some of them are on like little uh, little like bo- like wooden boards, but most of them are just in uh, CD cases. If you take like just a generic CD case and you take out the uh, the black part that actually holds the CD in place, uh, it fits a four by four array of caps uh, perfectly. That's pretty cool. And then you could organize that pretty easily as well. Yeah, exactly. And you can always see them too. Did you think of that by yourself or did you find that somewhere online and said, oh, that's a cool way to organize it? Uh, no, uh, my mom actually got me into doing that probably because she didn't want the caps laying all over the house. Yeah, and like a decade later, I'm still using her technique. So thanks, mom. Shout out to all the moms. Um, what is the oldest bottle cap you have? Uh, so I have one. I don't know the specific date, but I have a range of dates that it's from. It's um, it's an old cap from uh, the Austro-Hungarian Empire. So the way that we've dated it is um, there's on the cap there's two symbols, and each of those symbols has like a time frame in which it was used. So all I had to do to figure out when the cap or when the cap was made was uh, basically just take the the time frames that those two uh, symbols were used at the same time, and that that overlap gives me like a like an estimate for the uh, for the date. I don't I don't remember what the number is off the top of my head, but I think it's like 1917 or 1918. So it's like a World War One cap from the Austro-Hungarian Empire. And that one you found or you bought it? Oh, I bought that on eBay from uh, from another collector who I've. Uh, had interactions with in the past speaking of which how is the community uh the community is actually like it's alive and it's thriving but uh just not really in uh not really in this part of the world 
because if you've gotten serious about collecting bottle caps, you would know that most of the, like the hobby is centered in Europe. And most of the people who collect bottle caps, like on a super serious level are basically like old uh, retired European guys. So there are like, there are collectors, like plenty of collectors in America and Canada, like kind of like me when I was a kid who just are super casual uh, with their collections. But I find that most people in this part of the world are casual about it. And the people who are serious about it are almost all in Europe, mainly like Germany and Poland and Russia. Okay. And for your collection, would your collection be considered a huge one or small compared to these other people? For, for a casual person, like every casual person who I show this to, like they're, they're mind blown at how many caps they have. And they think that like, I'm setting a world record or something, but in fact, that's actually not the case because the, um, there are guys there's well first of all we have a website where all the collectors are like centrally located and there's a guy on there who has like 240,000 unique caps so realistically my 21,000 is actually it's like it's not even one tenth of what these guys have but you still have a lot of time you can work you've been working on it yeah and like and like some of these guys like well like I said like they're they're super old like retired guys. So they've had their entire lives to do it. And plus I've only been seriously collecting for half of my life. And like I was casually collecting for the other half. So I'll probably get there someday if I, if I really put in the effort. Well, at 21,000, it sounds like the effort is going in the right, in the right direction. So I'm cheering for you to keep that collection going. And I'll, one day I'll be able to say, Hey, I interviewed that guy when he had 21,000 bottle caps. Yeah. <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be like an honor to do that. And then we'll have to do another interview when you reach 300,000. I don't even, I don't even know if the top guy in the world is going to hit that amount because he's probably uh, not going to be around for too much longer. <laughs> well, let's hope he has a healthy life till the end. Um, yeah, exactly. Here's an interesting question that I didn't write in my questions that I sent you, but on average, how many caps did you find on the ground versus you buy? Like, let's say buy online or buy a bottle. So what's the ratio? Oof, uh, finding on the ground is actually not that common for me anymore because it used to be that I would collect every single cap, even if I had a copy of it in my collection already. So at that point, like every single cap I found on the ground was going into the collection. But when I decided that I would only collect uh, one of each, um, I found that you, you're going to find that finding caps on the ground is actually almost impossible because we're like, because we're in Ottawa. Like if you're walking down the street and you see a cap on the ground, I guarantee it's going to be like Budweiser or Labatt or Molson or something like that. So in which case it wouldn't go into my collection because I already have it. But uh, buying is how I get uh, like m like the caps that I that I have a specific interest in, and like sometimes I'll I'll buy like like sometimes like I've bought like hundreds at a time just uh, just in like in bulk uh, to see like if there's anything in there that I need or and any duplicates just go into my trading stash. And speaking of which, how much does a bottle cap usually go for? Uh, see, uh, see, here's the thing. Most caps that you'd find on the ground today, like you couldn't pay me to take them. Like, so in other words, they're, they're worthless. Like they're literally worth nothing. Um, but like, let's say if you found like a microbrewery cap on the ground, it'd be worth like, like a couple of dollars to me. Cause I'm trying to save up caps for a convention that I'm going to. But, um, most like the caps that I specifically buy, because my specialty, like I collect all bottle caps, but my specialty is uh, I collect caps from the Middle East, mainly from like Arabic countries. So those caps are actually not that easy to find. And uh, some of them can go up to hundreds of dollars. And to give you an idea, a couple months ago, I bought a uh, 27 like super old antique caps from uh, the Middle East and uh, North Africa. 
So for 27 of them, I, um, I paid, I think like 6,000 plus Canadian dollars because they were that rare. Wow. That's, that's pretty impressive. And I've seen caps go online for over half a, over half a thousand, although I didn't buy it. That's just something I've seen. So this is, this is a real investment to something I should pick up if I'm ever interested. And I'm sure you, there's some pretty cool caps. What was, I don't know if you could actually judge, but what was the most interesting cap you own? So one who has funky colors or like a three-dimensional like feel on the top or anything like that? The most interesting ones that I've owned, uh, oh, I'm, I'm going to be honest. That's kind of like choosing a favorite kid. Like they're all interesting <laughs> to me in, um, <laughs> in some ways, but I definitely say the ones that are most interesting to me are like the Arabic caps that I have. Cause those ones are the ones that I focus on, uh, primarily. So like, I think a pretty interesting one was I have, um, I have an alcoholic two board cap from Iran that predates the revolution. So I think that one's pretty interesting. Uh, there's an, there's another interesting cap that I've been trying to find for a while. It's, um, I don't actually have it in my collection, but, uh, it's an old, uh, like it's a super old, uh, cap from Chile. Uh, and it has a, uh, it has a swastika on it. Yeah. Although I just want to point out it's from before the Nazi regime. So it's like, it's just purely a religious symbol, but I really want that cap for the obvious reason. So whoever's listening to this right now who loves collecting bottle caps and knows where he can get one, send me a message and I'll send it off to Chaz and then he will continue <laughs> growing his collection. That'd be much appreciated. Yeah, that's, that's one of the reasons why I'm making this podcast too. The people who have their hobbies can get in connection with other people who have the similar hobbies. Now, you said you like collecting from around the world, especially the Middle East and some in Africa. Is there, have you actually traveled to any other country to actually collect bottle caps or? Anything like that? Uh, I've traveled um, for convention, bottle cap convention reasons, and I'm, I'm pretty sure you had a question about that uh, later, so I won't get into that too much right now. But um, like, I have traveled to Europe and the U.S. particularly, and uh, like, I always like I always love uh, like finding caps there. Like when and like whenever I'm in Europe, like I'll buy the entire drink because like I want the cap. Like that's a cool memory. Like, like buying the whole drink and drinking it while I'm on vacation just so I can get the cap. Cause like that's, that's a cool memory. So wait, you're, you're telling me that every cap that you actually drank, you have like a nostalgic memory to it. That's, that's pretty cool. Most of them. Like you look at the cap and you're like, Oh, I remember that day I was doing this. This was a great drink. I actually, I actually can still remember quite a bit. Uh, like, like if I look at a cap in my collection that I drank myself, I, for the most part, I can actually remember like where and when I drank it and like any other kind of memories that were associated with it. Like I'll give you an example. Like, uh, when I went to France in 2012 for my, uh, my, uh, my grade 12 grad trip, uh, I was in a, uh, like I was, I, we were walking down an alley and, uh, I found a bottle cap on the ground and, uh, the girl who was next to me, uh, from, from my school, she says, Chaz, put that crap down. It's filthy. What are you going to do with that? And ever, and even though that took place six, yeah, like six years ago, every time I look at that cap, that memory comes back and I just laugh to myself. It's those little moments like that. That makes life that grand. Now. You, we did talk about how you, you organize your bottle caps in CD cases. Yeah. Now, when you do that, do you just put it randomly or do you do by brand? So let's say Bud Light, you put them all in a CD case or by color. Is there a specific order? They're organized basically like in the, or in the order that I get them. So like, like, for example, like countries where I don't have that many, maybe I'll like arrange them by like beer and soda. But like, can like take Canada, for example, I have like, 
over 4,000 different ones from Canada. So I'm not going to go rearranging my Canadian caps in their cases every single time I get like one new Canadian cap. So for Canada, like just forget it. I'm not going to try and do that. Like, let's say uh, like Iran or something like that. Like I have like 60 from that country, so I could organize them if I want. But mainly I just I just put it right after the previous one that I put in. So it's just chronological. That's also a very easy way. You don't have to take out the bottle caps to rearrange them. You just use a new CD case and then put the new ones in. I used to do that. And trust me, it is a pain. It takes hours of your time. And then you have to scan them too. So more hours. Yeah. Um, what would you say is the best part about collecting bottle caps on a personal and emotional level? Uh, like, I, I feel like to some degree, like it kind of takes me back to my childhood because like I said, my hobby has been there literally longer than I've even had memory for like before I started even remembering things when I was like four or five years old. Uh, so it's like, it's definitely a nostalgia thing, but like now it's kind of like the, like it's kind of like the thrill of competition. Like I want caps that other collectors don't have in their collection. So which makes mine more unique. Do you have one that is extremely rare? Cause you talked about, you had a few, but is there like one that is extremely rare? There's only, I don't know, a thousand in the world kind of thing. Uh, there's not really many in my collection. Well, actually, the, the example that I gave before of the 27 that cost me like 6,000, like I've never seen those in anybody's collection. Well, like maybe one or two, but like most of them I haven't seen in anybody's collection. I never see them on eBay. I never see them uh, like up for trade on on the, uh, the Bottle Cap Facebook group or anything like that. So realistically, like I don't know if there's any like one of a kind ones, but I'll, like if my general rule is I'll buy it on eBay. Or uh, if it's, if I basically, if I never even see it on eBay. So that's kind of my, uh, my general rule. Now, speaking of which, how active do you have to be on eBay to make sure you get the specific bottle cap before, before somebody else gets it? Do you go like, oh, uh, once a day? I'm on eBay. Uh, I check eBay about 10 times a day. Okay. So it's that <laughs> active. No, but it's, yeah. so it's like that competitive. Wow. Well, it's, it's not that it's like, it's not that it's competitive. Well, the only really the only real sense in which it would be competitive on eBay is for buy it now auctions because if somebody else sees it and they want it, all they have to do is click buy it now and then it's gone. But what I check eBay so frequently for is uh, like it's because I have a lot of sellers uh, whose pages I have to look through because one of my best techniques for finding like rare uh, caps is like I'll scan eBay one day, I'll, I'll see like somebody selling a rare cap and then I'll bookmark that seller's name on my, uh, on my browser. And then like, I'll check their name every so often. And every time I see like a new rare cap, I'll add that seller's name to my bookmark list. So, and I've been doing this for probably six or seven years now. So after six and seven or seven years of bookmarking eBay sellers constantly, that's a lot of sellers that I have to go through on a daily basis to check for, check for any rare caps that they might be selling. But it sounds, and, oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. And the thing is like, even though I have a massive list, like probably at least a hundred sellers who have good caps to offer me, like probably 90% of them always have like no auctions on at any given time. So I basically am scanning through like a list of a hundred people to find maybe 10 who actually have something interesting at a given time. But that's why I spend so much time on eBay. But it sounds like you have it down to a science as in when you first started, it was a lot harder, but now you know where to go. You know what to look up you know who to look up and it's a lot faster and more efficient. Yeah. And I also have a lot of, I also have a lot of connections with like the trading community because I mentioned before that we have a, a like a centralized website where we can all hang out on. I have to check, uh, like I check that too, because like there might be new collectors who are joining and, uh, and I might want to contact them for, 
like trades and such. I also check um, on our website, there's a, a list of newly added caps in the giant database that we have. So if I see that somebody has scanned a brand new cap into the bottle cap database, I'll say, I, like it shows who added it. So I say, hey, maybe I should contact that collector and see if they have an extra one that they may want to trade with me. So it's kind of like a fine art. You know how people are always trading art. It's the same with bottle caps. I like that. Yes, except I like caps more than fine art. You can have the Mona Lisa. I want my caps. You would never know what you could find. Now, what was your biggest challenge when you first started collecting bottle caps? So there's, there's always, like even to this day, there's been a certain degree of challenge to the hobby. So mainly when I was basically like four years old, to basically up until the time when I started becoming a more serious collector in around 2008, the biggest struggle was the fact that I was a kid. So first of all, that eliminates me drinking beer for the caps. And also, I didn't really have much of an allowance, so it's not like I could just go to the corner store with my buddies after school and buy some soft drinks for the caps uh, either. So from that time, I was basically limited to anything that my parents or my family would say for me and caps that I found on the ground. So that was definitely the struggle for like the first half of my life. Uh, when I became a teenager, it was... Um, it was uh, <laughs> So what I would do is uh, at that point, I started searching eBay, like when I was like maybe 13 years old for some caps. And the biggest challenge would basically be uh, going up to my dad, whose eBay account I was using and say, hey, dad, uh, I want you to buy some bottle caps for me uh, online. I don't want you to judge me that I'm spending my money on scrap metal. But can you please uh, can you please buy it and pay for it with your PayPal for me? <laughs> and and uh, I think, yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, and your parents, it seemed like they were very supportive of this. Well, yeah, yeah. My, my dad certainly was uh, supportive in the sense that he basically allowed me to use his uh, his eBay and thus his PayPal account to let me buy caps. So basically, all I would do is whenever I would buy caps on eBay, uh, I would I would pay for it with his with his PayPal profile, and then I would simply just pay him back with like any like physical money that I'd have. That's cool. It's always it's always a lot easier and better when you have family members there helping you out and. Supporting you with your passion. Yeah, but now that I'm older, there's a, it's a bit less of a challenge because now I have my own eBay and PayPal, so I don't, have to, I don't have to bug my dad every two days for bottle caps on eBay. But there's there's still quite a bit of a challenge right now because um, whenever whenever I want to go to like a, like a bottle cap trading convention, I have to bring caps, obviously. I'm not going to come empty-handed. Uh, the biggest challenge for me right now at this current moment is getting like uh, like micro like micro brewery caps from Canada because when I go to my uh, an event that I have planned in uh, in March of 2019, uh, I'm going to be surrounded by European guys who basically have no chance of getting like Canadian micro brewery caps. So that's what I want to focus on right now. But my biggest challenge is uh, they're usually sold like at, in, as singles at the LCBO and they cost like seven bucks each. So I got to fork over a lot of money just to get some caps for my. Uh, my trading and like I even scan like GG and eBay for like caps in bulk as opposed to single caps, which I normally buy for my collection. And you'd be surprised at how many people are just selling like plain garbage uh, Canadian caps, like Molson and stuff. It's like I want the good stuff. I want microbrew caps, but I can't seem to find that anywhere at a frequent rate. Speaking of which, is it oversaturated when you go on eBay of a bunch of people who are selling like the cheap stuff, the the Budweiser, oh, the yeah. Keefs, yeah. <laughs> Oh, yes. So there's a lot of there's quite a bit of oversaturation in the community. Um, 
on eBay, it's like, like I said, it's mostly just like common stuff like Coors and like Budweiser and stuff that I don't really need. But eventually, like eventually I'll come across like a good auction that I'll, that I'll be happy to buy. But, um, but in terms of, uh, like in terms of saturation, it, it also is pretty bad in the, um, in like the trading community as well, because like I said, most of the hobby is centered over in Europe. So you get all sorts of European collectors who are offering me like the same caps over and over and over again. So it just, it just becomes like, it's, it's, it's a bit of a challenge to trade with European collectors at times because almost all the time, like I know what caps are going to be in their trade images before I even open them on email. I know exactly what they're going to offer. And it's a, it's becoming a bit of a pain. Sorry. There was another half of, to that question. What was it? Uh, the other half was, what was your current biggest challenge? But it seems like you already answered that. Yeah. Yeah. I answered that. <laughs> no, no, you're ahead of the curve. Exactly. In this podcast okay. and in the bottle cap game, you're ahead of the curve. That's good. I don't even, you don't even need me. You got this. I got all, I got all my connections. <laughs> yeah. Now, another question I had was, uh, has collecting bottle caps helped you relax when you had a stressed day? Uh, yeah, actually, because I'll, I'll tell you what's one of the best feelings in the world. Best feeling in the world is getting, is getting off my bike because I just got back from work and picking up the keys to the mailbox and going out and opening it up and seeing, Oh yes, there's those caps I bought on eBay or there's those caps from that guy I traded with like three weeks ago. And then just getting home and just cutting that, cutting that paper envelope open and just, just dumping them all over my desk. It's the best feeling and the best sound in the world. And then if it's a trade, I get to go on the, uh, on the collector website and then I get to give them good, I get to give them a good feedback, which everybody enjoys. Well, that's good. I like how you're very interactive with the community and then it's not just you buy and then you don't leave any reviews or comments or anything like that. You give back to the community. It's good. It's always been good. Yeah. Now, a question that I forgot to ask when you're saying you go to trade shows, you don't go empty handed. How many caps do you tend to bring? You don't bring like a thousand of them, probably a hundred. All right. So, uh, well, a hundred is actually, that's a, that's a very big understatement and I'll, I'll tell you why. So I've been to two trade conventions and like a couple of meetups with like one or two collectors at a time, but we'll, we won't talk about that. We'll just talk about the conventions or you could ask me about that if you want. No, whatever, yeah, whatever you're comfortable sticking, talking about. Sure. Okay. I guess I'll cover that after. So I guess uh, right now we'll, I'll, I'll cover the conventions. Uh, I've been to two. I've been to one in Pennsylvania that takes place yearly. It's called, um, it's called Crownvention. Because like the patent name for the bottle cap is actually called the crown cap. That's the that's the patent name in the patent database. Uh, so whenever I go to that, or well, actually, I guess I've only been to it once. But um, I made the mistake of bringing like a lot of caps and like duplicates of them. Uh, so like so I actually didn't end up trading that much because a lot of the people there had had the caps already. But like I I still managed to trade like maybe two or three hundred with all the people there, and I also bought some caps from. Uh, people whenever I went to their rooms because that's that's also it's it's a trading and purchasing show for like general uh, breweriana so like there's people who sell like beer cans and beer bottles and stuff and they'll come to the event and they'll have like caps that, that I can just buy from them so to that event I'd say I, I came with maybe like a thousand bottle caps to offer and I traded away maybe 200 or 300 of them. And that's pretty successful considering the fact that I've had previous trades with those people. So they've already seen part of what I had to offer. But now the, uh, now this is, this is the juicy substance right here. The, um, the trade convention in Germany. So this one is called Herscheid or that's like the, it's kind of like the casual name that we give it. Cause it takes place in the Bavarian town of Herscheid. 
And uh, that one is, that's the big, that's the biggest bottle cap collector convention that we have in the world. And uh, I think at the past event, we attracted 120 collectors or something. So it's not like on the scale of thousands of people, but it's, it's still a pretty, still a pretty big event. And to that, I, um, I brought basically, I stuffed as many bottle caps in my suitcase up until I reached the 23 kilogram limit that most European flights will impose on you. So now that 23 kilos, that also included like my clothing. And I also brought a poster that I got a bunch of bottle cap collectors to sign. And I also brought two beers because I can't just go to a bottle cap collector convention and not offer the guys some legitimate, like super cool Canadian beer, you know? Especially in Germany. Yeah, exactly. Like they don't want like Molson or Labatt. They want some like Canadian microbrews. So I had to bring some of those as well. But in terms of the actual weight of caps that I brought, I'd say it was probably about 20 kilos. And did you have any problems going through customs or a security check? <laughs> the <laughs> it, was a, it was a bit of a pain. Uh, not at the customs, actually. Like my there was there were no problems getting my suitcase onto the flight. Uh, so the trouble kind of occurred uh, when I got off the flight in, uh, in Frankfurt. So I was with another collector. Uh, I, I guess I won't say his name because he, ha- he hasn't really consented to that. But yeah, I, I went with another Canadian collector who kind of lives uh, about an hour from me. So when we got to the, uh, the airport in Frankfurt, uh, we're standing at the, at the luggage tr- uh, terminal and he gets his bag almost immediately. But five minutes later, my bag doesn't show up. So I wait around for another half hour and still my bag doesn't show up, even though the big screen says that they're still unloading baggage from my flight. So after about an hour and a half of standing around, I finally decided to uh, get off my butt and go find an, an airport employee. And it turns out that they had my, they did have my luggage. It was set in a separate room for overweight, quote unquote, uh, packages. Although realistically, like it, I, I didn't get charged for an overweight package. It was still within the 23 kilograms that the flight allowed me, but they just, they, they stuffed it in a separate room without telling me for some reason so that. That caused me to sit around for almost two hours at the airport. It was because of that one extra bottle cap you had to get. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, so that so that was going in and actually coming back to uh, I, did, I did I flew back into Montreal. I kind of had the same thing, although the the wait time wasn't uh, that bad. It did appear at the terminal like it was supposed to, but it took a while. All right, and so I have a, a question here. I kind of modified it a little bit, but it's. Has collecting bottle caps ever stressed you out? And do you have any pet peeves when it comes to, let's say, collectors or the community or just the whole concept of bottle cap collecting? Yes, I have several pet peeves, and I'm going to get to those in uh, in uh, in just a second. So we'll start with the first question: the uh, whether it stresses me out or not. Uh, it doesn't stress me out, but. I kind of wish right now that I wasn't struggling to find microbrewery caps to bring to Germany this year, because like I said, that involves buying beer. And it's like, I, I drink a lot of beer. I wish I wasn't drinking so much beer just to get the caps, but you know, at the end of the day, it's worth it. And, and I'm not getting addicted. So that's the good thing. <laughs> so, uh, High so five to you. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Hopefully I don't become an alcoholic by the time March rolls around when I'm hopping on the plane to Germany. <laughs> so, uh, pet peeve number one, uh, breweries that don't put a freaking pattern on their bottle cap. There's nothing I hate more than walking into the LCBO or any kind of beer store and finding a blank cap. Like that just, that just makes me rage inside. I die inside whenever I see that, especially when it's a microbrewery. Like, come on, like a bottle cap is essentially an advertisement. You're supposed to have your company logo or something on or something on there. So I can, so people know what it is when they see your cap on the ground. 
but yeah, but I'm not gonna, I'm not going to get into that because then I'd be ranting for an hour. I'd say another thing that kind of ticks me off. I, this one, this one's with eBay particularly is when I'm scrolling through the pages and I see uh, an auction that says like super old vintage antique bottle cap. And then when I click it, it's a cap from 2016. Like, come on, like an actual old cap would be like, well, there's no real consensus in the community about what an old cap uh, constitutes, but it's most people agree like the eighties or before that is old, not freaking 2016. You got bamboozled kind of thing, right? Yeah, exactly. But, but I never, I never buy that stuff. But I do agree with you. If they put that much effort uh, about uh, putting a blank cap, if they put that, that much effort of building or making a great beer, why not put the effort to making a great cap to go with it, right? I know you can go on for hours yeah. talking about that, but I agree with you on that. Like, I, I, I do agree with breweries in a sense what, why they do it, because realistically, that means that they would have to contact a um, the, the bottle cap manufacturer and they would have to like they would have to pay them extra to put some kind of pattern on it. But I can't help but wonder if there is a pattern on it that has like your brewery name on it. How, like, is it going to bring in more people like, is it going to attract more people to your company? Is it going to make your company more aware of? In which case, you would easily recuperate the cost of spending money on a pattern for your bottle cap. But I, I don't know. That's just something I think about. I don't know how much legitimacy there is. I don't know the numbers that these breweries spend. But yeah, I don't have, I don't have any data. That's just, it's, like I said, it's just a pet peeve. It just, it still kind of bugs me, although I, I understand why they do it. Yeah, no, it's fair. I completely agree with you, and I also understand as well. Hopefully, maybe your favorite brewer will start making some and maybe it'll be, it's like free advertisement. If you find it on the ground, it's like, oh, cool. What is that? They just, imagine if they just walked around the city and just threw bottle caps on the ground as publicity. Well, like that, that's, that's kind of why I say like a bottle cap is basically an advertisement. Like it's, it's almost nothing more than that. It serves the purpose of sealing the bottle and advertising. So it, like in a sense, <laughs> like they could do that. <laughs> they might, they might violate some kind of bylaw in littering, but then they could do it. Unless they pick it up all at the end, every cap that wasn't picked up. <laughs> oh God. That would take forever. Just, just imagine that, the logistics nightmare behind that. They put a tracking device underneath each cap. But uh, speaking of which, did you ever collect caps that had, remember, I don't know, they don't do it anymore, but it's, uh, they had, uh, you pull out this little plastic thing underneath and it says you're a winner, especially in soda caps. Like sweepstakes caps, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Is that still a thing or? Uh, they are still they are still a thing, and actually, I have several that are sweepstakes winners. Uh, I think in my entire collection, I have out of twenty one thousand plus. I think two, maybe three, are winning sweepstakes caps. But I have like endless that are that say like, "Oh, you lose, try again." Like the first one is from uh, it's called uh, it's from a brand called Suncrest. It's an old soda brand. Maybe you've heard of it, uh, but uh, it was. Uh, when you look on the underside, it says you win a free pocket radio. So if I was alive in the friggin' 71 or whenever the contest took place, I'd be able to claim a free pocket radio. And there's also a cap from a magic hat brewery in the United States that says you want a free t-shirt. But I, to my knowledge, that sweepstakes is no longer in effect. So yeah, who cares if I have that cap now, but it's still a winner. Imagine if they had that for beer caps or beer bottle caps. Oh yeah. That, that actually is, uh, the the Suncrest is a soda cap, but the Magic Hat is a uh, it is a beer. It's, oh, okay. uh, it's from it's from the U.S. Could you imagine when you're completely drunk and you realize you've won? That'd be great. 
yeah, I want a free t-shirt. <laughs> I don't have any caps that are actually like super valuable because if you think about it, like, cause there's, there are like breweries and, and soda bottling plants all over the world. They'll, they'll do that. They'll have like sweepstakes where you can potentially win based off of the, based off like the code underneath the cap. But here's the thing. If like some guy in like, I don't know, freaking Saudi Arabia finds a winning sweepstakes cap, He's not going to sell it on eBay. He's going to take that to the bottling plant and claim his prize, in which case the, the bottle cap collecting community will never even see that cap. That is very true. Now, what are some misconceptions about people who collect bottle caps? <laughs> okay. Uh, definitely the, the first one that comes to mind is, uh, is Fallout. Uh, whenever, like almost every single time, whenever I tell somebody that I collect bottle caps, like I know that there's a 90% chance that there's going to be a fallout joke coming out of their mouth in the next two seconds. So the first misconception is, uh, <laughs> first of all, we don't all play fallout. And like I said, most of the collectors who I deal with are old, retired European men. So I'm pretty sure they'd never even heard of the game. And I think the second misconception is that we all like hoard caps and like some collectors do, like they might keep like, maybe they do, maybe they keep like every single copy of a cap that they find, even if they already have it. But, uh, which is what I used to do as well. But the, uh, the notion that most of us are hoarders is, is not really true because just about every collector that I know will keep one and only one copy of a cap. And they'll also keep like a bunch of copies for trading purposes, but that's not hoarding because it has an explicit purpose for trading. So you got a collection for trading and a collection for keeping. No, makes sense. Yeah, exactly. Now, how did collecting bottle caps have an impact on your perspective on life? Did it teach you to be more patient or more precise? Oh, yes. Yeah. It taught me to be definitely taught me to be more patient because nothing builds your patience more than buying a bottle cap from like a guy in Iraq. Like I used to buy, from, I used to buy from a guy in Iraq. He, he, it would take like three months to arrive. So nothing builds your patience quicker than that. But uh, I'd also say it it gave me like a lot of negotiation and like communication skills with uh, people around the world because you can imagine there's quite a linguistic barrier between some collectors over in Europe where the hobby is uh, cent- like centrally located. I'd say, uh, but it, it definitely it first of all it was kind of a motivation for me to learn German because uh, that's kind of what I'm doing on my free time, and uh, it's. It also like it got me. To, it gave it kind of gave me like a like a bottle cap business sense. Now I, I know what collectors are looking for. I know like how to make the trade perfect. I know like what caps uh, like to take from them so that they don't feel like I'm getting better caps out of the trade or stuff like that. It, like it's definitely improved my communication and like my business sense, if you will. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. That the idea that bottle caps led you to learn a new language and improve on it. Not many people can that say that. That wasn't the only thing, but it's, it's kind of one of the motivating factors that keeps me going. And are, you, hobby. are you fluent in German now? No. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, I, uh, when I went to Germany in 2018, I told collectors to speak to me in German. And uh, uh, from a linguistics point of view, I got my butt whooped. <laughs> but, but, you know, it, it, was, it was pretty fun. I, that, was, that was my first like, real chance to get to speak German with some people. And like, I got to admit, like, I learned a few new words, too. That's, uh, that's pretty awesome. Uh, I, I'm, that's, I'm impressed that it just led you to actually force you to pick up a new hobby at the same time, I guess, you know, picking a new language, learning a new language is an, another hobby because of your main hobby, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's cool. 
Now, do you want to present this hobby to the world or use it as an escape from reality? So in other words, let's say somebody came up to you and said, hey, Chaz, I'd love to learn about collecting bottle caps. Can you teach me? What should I do? Where should I go? Stuff like that. Uh, like I, like I definitely, like I love encouraging people to, uh, to get into the hobby. But um, like like one one thing I don't want is like is like ten million people all getting into the hobby at once, and then that w- that would cause some serious uh, saturation in the uh, in the uh, the trading and the uh, eBay market. But like I definitely like when when whenever somebody comes up to me and says like they uh, or like on Reddit for example, and they they ask about like bottle cap collecting, it's I always like I always try to like show them like the benefits, like like how it can be like super fun, how you get to meet a lot of cool people. And like, I've even met people on uh, Reddit who I, like I walked them through the entire trading process. I walked them through the process of like organizing their, their caps for like taking pictures for trades. And like the, and they're, they're all like super happy that I'm, that I'm giving them the advice and, and I'm, I'm totally happy to, uh, I'm totally happy to give it to, to them because Truly, I think it's I think it's a super fun hobby, and like a lot of people would uh like they would uh they can relieve a lot of their stress by doing it. So I definitely say it's it's definitely a hobby worth promoting. I like promoting it, but I be, I'm gonna be honest. If half the people in the world were collecting caps, there'd be saturation, and I wouldn't be happy at that point. Not even gonna lie. And a bunch of more Bud Light caps on eBay. Yes. <laughs> oh, and that's another pet peeve: asking ten bucks for a Budweiser cap on eBay. Come on, guys, don't do that. 10 bucks for a Budweiser cap? Come on. Oversaturated. Uh, Yeah, exactly. Do you have any word of advice for anybody who might be interested in picking up this hobby? The number one advice that I give to people who are getting into the hobby is, uh, is, uh, like like we discussed, be patient. Because, like like I said, it's a collection. It's not, like, it's not, you can't just go up to somebody and offer them, like, $50,000 $50,000 and say, Hey, give me your collection. Like nobody's going to do that. If you want to get your own collection going, you are the one who has to put in the effort and you have to get it going from the, uh, from the ground up, but it's worth it. And, uh, like, because like, like, let's say, uh, you want to collect like a certain like type of cap. Like I collect uh, mainly, or like I specialize in, uh, in middle Eastern caps. Yes. It's a bit of a pain because they don't show up on eBay as much. They don't show up in people's trade stocks. Uh, or trade images that much but when you do find one on ebay and it's just it's staring you in the face with its beauty and you say i gotta have that thing and you actually win the auction it's so satisfying to get it like just to hold it in your hand when you've unwrapped the package after it arrives to you so definitely like be patient if you want a certain cap just keep your eyes open for it make an effort to like reach out to try and find it and eventually you will find it but there's also, I, I do want to give some, uh, this piece of advice as well. Be prepared to potentially not like ever get a cap that you're looking for. Because I know some, like, I know a guy from like Turkey who is, he's been, he has like a wish list of Turkish bottle caps that he wants. And like, he's been looking for like five or six years or probably, yeah, like five years for certain caps and he still can't find them. And he lives in Turkey where these caps would mo- most likely to be found. And another example is, uh, just a couple of days ago, I got my very first bottle cap from Afghanistan, not shipped from there, but it's my first cap that was actually bottled in Afghanistan. It took me 10 years to get it. Wow. It took me 10 years from 2008 when I started seriously collecting to the point where I could say I own one Afghan cap. So is your objective to try to get a cap from every country around the world? That's very hard to do because first of all, some countries, to my knowledge, don't have any caps at all. 
like Vatican City, I don't think has any bottle caps. Uh, like I think there's like some of the some of those really small South Pacific Island countries. I don't know if not all of them even have caps either. But uh, but yeah, like that's it's not my goal. I just collect any and all caps that I can find. And if I happen to get a cap from every single country in the world, then that's amazing. But I'm not actively going to try and get a cap from like let's say Vatican City when for all I know there literally might not exist such a thing. It's an optimistic goal that it's your, it's your side goal. It's not your main objective, but if it happens, Hey, it's a good thing to do. Right. Yeah. And like I can check right now how many countries I have. I have, uh, I have caps from 172 different countries. Like I said, like most of those South Pacific Island countries, I'm never going to see a cap from. Unless you give them a call and say, Hey, can you make this one cap just for me? And no, actually a question I did forget to ask and I didn't write it either, but is getting scammed something common online for buying caps. Yes, it actually is because um, a lot of collectors like, like what's like, it's kind of a tradition in the bottle cap collecting community from what I can gather is um, like to actually display your caps, like with your own personal website, even though I don't have one currently. And so for that purpose, like some collectors will, they'll just set their caps out on a tray with like maybe 200 at a time. And they'll take a picture with their phone camera with that. And they'll post that on their website. Cause like some people, they can't afford like high bandwidth websites where they host like 80,000 images. But I do know some guys, like I know a guy in Finland who I've traded with, he has like 80,000 caps just on his website, individually, individually photographed. So like, just, just imagine how much, how much data that website consumes. I know a guy in Italy who has over a hundred thousand caps and like, same thing. He has every single individual cap photographed and displayed on his website. That is very time consuming, but I bet you it's a very beautiful website. It is. And honestly, like, I, I don't know how they do it. Like I'm kind of going nuts, just trying to scan 21,000. And like, it's, it's, it's kind of demotivating at times because just because of the sheer amount of time that it takes to do that. And like, not all collectors will do that. Some collectors, um, like I said, they'll, they'll just take like pictures of their, uh, of their caps, like, like 200 at a time. But the main disadvantage with that is you can't see them up close because one of the big advantages of having individually photographed caps or scanned caps on your computer is let's say you get, you're browsing eBay and there's a bottle cap. It looks extremely similar to one that you have, but you might want to check for uh, a potential difference. If you have like your cap that you have in your collection already, if you have that scanned as its own individual image, you can zoom in real close to it and you can look at all the differences and potentially see if you want to buy this cap on eBay. So that way you don't take a gamble and potentially get a duplicate cap uh, and potentially waiting months for it to arrive in the mail. But that's, that's just one example. The best one, the best benefit is just purely so you can make your own website or display them. So moral of the story, be aware, take your time, do your research, just pretty much take your time before making an impulse buy. Learn about the, the person selling the bottle cap, see if they have good credit in the sense that you could trust them. So you don't want to get bamboozled seven times in a row. Yeah. And we actually do have like a feedback system on the, uh, on the bottle cap collector website. Uh, so after you complete a trade with a person, you can actually like, there's a button where you can actually give them feedback. So you can give them like, you can give them wouldn't trade again, problems during the trade, good trade and excellent trade. And the thing is like, 
I don't think I've ever given somebody anything other than the like the green, like excellent trade. Like that's the color that it is in the in the feedback system. And when you and you could and it's it's also f- useful because when you look at a collector's profile on the website, you can see all the feedback that they've received from other collectors too. So it helps keep everybody safe. So it's basically like like eBay's protection system. That's a good thing to have the community aspect. Everybody's helping out everybody and everybody's looking out for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> and it's always funny when you look, when you finally do find somebody with a, with a red arrow, which is a, which is the would not trade again. <laughs> you almost always find that that person has deleted their account. Hmm, pretty, pretty strange coincidence, eh? That they delete <laughs> yeah. their account after they have all negative feedback. And then they make a new account and try to do it again. That's actually not really done. It's because collecting like bottle caps are not that valuable. So if a scammer doesn't have very much luck the first time, it's not even worth it to make a second account and try to scam people again. Like if we were trading Rolex watches, then yeah, like I could totally understand a person trying to make a second account to get around all the negative feedback that they got on their first account. But that is a it's, very it's a pretty expensive safe community. Hobby. Yeah. <laughs> trading Rolexes. Yeah, yeah. Just casually. Now what, I'm pretty sure that's a thing though. You know what? I wouldn't be surprised. Now, what I tend to do on this podcast is I throw the question back to you. So I would ask you, do you have any questions for me about collecting bottle caps? Mm. Anything at all? I can't make any promises. Again, I'm mm. going to have a good answer, but I'll try my best. Any questions for you about collecting bottle caps? Like, have you ever done it? Like, have you ever had any friends who've done it? Um, I don't. I didn't have any friends who did it, but I've always actually found bottle caps interesting. And it was the same idea that... Uh, at one point, I had like two or three. I'm like, oh, those are cool. But I didn't know if, how to collect them or where to start. And it just kind of fizzled out. I was always intrigued in the bottle caps with the, you know, take off that little plastic and you know that you won kind of thing. And that's what actually introduced me to, oh, cool. Bottle caps are interesting. I didn't start drinking beer at that age. I was a kid. And then, uh, yeah. We, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'd be a little different story. Huh? Probably wouldn't be doing this. Wait till your parents leave the house. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. An eight-year-old just chucking down some Bud Light, collecting all those Bud Light caps. But uh, All those valuable one-cent caps? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Sell them at $10. No, but I, it, I always found them interesting because it's kind of like the best comparison, I would say. It's Correct me if I'm wrong, but it's kind of like collecting pogs in the sense that they had these interesting designs on the top. For me, for me, per se. And I used to collect pogs what? in the sense that, oh, I found them interesting. And what bottle caps, pogs again? Pogs were those little cardboard uh, discs that you would throw on the ground and try to flip them over. Oh, geez. I, I've heard the word before. I never, I never ha- actually seen them. So uh, I'll send you, I'll send you a link of what they look like. Uh, sure. And then uh, you'll understand after this podcast, everybody will look up what pogs. I'm, I'm a little older, you know, born in the nineties. So, but pogs was a thing that they would focus on the design of the little cardboard. And I used to collect those and they remind me a lot like bottle caps. So I would say bottle caps are the adult version of pogs. Just correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, like, so like with pogs or something like that, I assume that there's like a limited amount of patterns that you could collect because they're, they're made by like one company, I assume, because they're patented probably. No, no, by different companies. There's different companies. and Also like, so there, there could be like an infinite amount of companies just producing like an infinite amount of designs theoretically then. Exactly. Yeah. And then they also had, so they had the cardboard pogs and then they also had plastic or metal pogs. So those ones were used to smash and try to flip over the other ones. And those were like rare items as well, but they had really unique designs. Oh my God. Some of them were holographic. Some were glow in the dark. It was just the same concept. Do they have glow in the dark bottle caps? That would be cool if they did. 
Uh, I'm not too sure. I think there, there might be, I think potentially one from the UK that I can think of, but I don't know if it's actually glow in the dark or if it's just the design on the cap is made to look like that. I don't know. I'm not too sure. There's a business idea for anybody who does bottle caps. Just an idea. Because I did think of that. I did, I did wonder why no real bre- no breweries ever really tried to do that. But it's, it's a cool idea. Would scented bottle caps be a thing? <laughs> I'm, I'm throwing all these weird ideas right now. <laughs> well, I, I, I kind <laughs> of have a scented bottle cap, and I'll tell you what I mean by that. Um, so eight years ago, uh, on Christmas, I drank a soda that my parents gave me as part of, as part of my Christmas gift because they knew I liked that kind of thing. And uh, the drink syrup was so strong that I think to this day, eight years later, I can still smell the cap. I can still smell the drink. Really? Wow. Yeah. That's, that's, it must have been a really strong drink. Yeah. So that, there's your scented bottle cap. <laughs> there you go. So the idea is taken. I can't even take that. Uh, so yeah, there you have it. Another body with a hobby. Thank you, Chaz, for coming on the show and sharing your passion. You have been so far my longest podcast, and I'm very glad that it was very interesting from the beginning to the end. And I am definitely going to do some more research about this because what's not to like about cool looking bottle caps and the history behind it? If you want to learn more about Chaz, all you need to know is in this podcast. Just listen to it over and over and over again until you want to know each and every each and every individual bottle cap Chaz has, just imagine, use your imagination, start your own collection, and then maybe you'll find them on the online community as well. So if you want that's, like, that's the thing. Yeah, I, 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 wish I, ha- I wish I had a website with them all so that your, your viewers could see. Well, hopefully this is going to be posted in a few months, so I'm a little ahead of my schedule. So if you do have a website, by the time I post this, please send it to me and I'll post it down there so people can find it. Okay. So we, we got I don't time. Think that's, I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> okay, so we don't have time. So it's for a far future. Maybe when we do an update episode when he's at 300,000 like we talked about before. So yeah. <laughs> hopefully I'm not dead by then. <laughs> so yeah, if you'd like to learn more, sorry, if you have any questions or would like to be on the show, you could send me an email at timeforyourhobby at gmail.com. So until the next episode, make some time for your hobby. Take care. All right, peace.